Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah. We're going to go ahead and get started with our candlelight conversation with Mufti Azimuddin. Uh, so for all those who are staying for the program, please move forward and come and sit closer together. We'll be starting with Nasheed with Brother Mustafa. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. شب کی رونق Shari Parj 
चले एजाज से फर बोल उठे और चांद हुआ है दो तो करे अंगुष्ट के एक इशारे से अल्लाह 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 जबरीले अमीन पे गाम में खुदा लेकर आए थे शबे असरा अल्लाह ने अर्श पे बुलवाया शराफ उनको बख्शाहु अल्लाहु 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 अल्लाह फमुहमदूना हुआ सई दूना फलूलनाली जाबती सोमुहमद है अपने इसी नाम से अपनी जो बल्लाहु अल्लाहु 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 सुबह बदम तौल आती वल्लू दामती है नूर साहर चेहरे से और शब की रो नुल्फो 
beautiful praises of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa read in Arabic and translated in Urdu um, in which Rasulullah sallallahu beautiful complexion and his beautiful hair has been described and how the miracles of splitting the moon water coming from his fingers and the stones and everything else saying salam to him uh, and what an amazing individual he was that it is our honor to be his, from his ummah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us all in our true love for Rasulullah and his sunnah Amin Rabbil Alameen so the lobby the speakers are off if any of the brothers want to read Quran you're more than welcome to inshallah make your way into the lobby and you can recite your Quran peacefully there as well if you're planning to participate with us please come forward and sit, let's sit as close as possible inshallah Let's move forward and sit as close as possible. Alhamdulillah. That's why the reason I'm, we're not using chairs, we're not using the podium here, because we want to make it really an intimate, small gathering. So if you want to read Quran, you're more than welcome to go outside and read. There's no speak, a sound there. And if you're planning to join here, inshallah. So um, to today I have with me um, Junaid, Junaid Malik. Alhamdulillah. He's the Amir of one of the Tanweer sections. We have three or four sections, rather, of the one-year program. So Alhamdulillah, he's uh, uh, an Amir of one of the sections. And uh, 25, right? 25 years old. Alhamdulillah, uh, and he's uh, visiting, he's joined us from Baltimore for the one-year program, and Alhamdulillah, he's just moved on to, uh, he's decided to continue the entire program after one plus as many years. Alhamdulillah, and uh, he's uh, graduated with a degree in political science, and uh, was taught for a couple of years. Uh, mashallah, we're, we're blessed to, and, uh, and grateful to Allah that we have an amazing, intelligent young man like that with us in our class, and inshallah, will be a huge, huge gift to the deen. Uh, alhamdulillah with his um, amazing background before he came here all the different things he studied and alhamdulillah um, with his, with ilm inshallah attached to that this will be a great great asset to the ummah so he's going to be my co-host discussing um, inshallah some of the issues today and um, and today's topic was supposed to be or rather we want to keep it open but you know emotional health and a depression things of that sort but I think Junaid was mentioning and we're also agreement that we would love to hear from the rest of the youth here, inshallah, our young adults, inshallah, if there's anything else specifically. We had some topics in mind um, that we discussed. Uh, some of them, you know, emotional health was one of them. What else was there, Jin? Spirituality, uh, spirituality, gender issues, um, uh, addictions, uh, career, career and education. And what else was there? Um, yeah, you can open it. You can switch on yeah. Muslim identity in colleges. Okay, Muslim identity in colleges. All right, alhamdulillah. Yeah, so those were some of the topics. These are, I think they're relevant. But if there's something else beyond that shit you would like to add to the roster, you're uh, more than welcome to do so, inshallah. Do you want to get started today? Um, Bismillah. So the idea behind these events, they're called candlelight conversations. They'll happen every night in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, inshallah, at 12 um, or around 12. So inshallah the goal of the event, the goal of these conversations is to talk about things that affect Muslim youth today. And those conversations each night will focus on a different topic. Alhamdulillah, a lot of us have been blessed with the chance to come to the masjid during Ramadan to pray Taraweeh and to come even now for itikaf, nafar and sunnah. 
Um, but one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that for a lot of us, we're fleeing from different issues and different problems that we have. And we go to the house of Allah seeking refuge from those things. Allah SWT mentions that in the Quran as well, where He says, So flee to Allah. And when we're here at the masjid, then it's a kind of sanctuary and protection from a lot of those challenges that we're facing. But now in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, it's also an opportunity for each of us to think about what's going to happen after the 10 nights of Ramadan finish. What's going to happen after the month of Ramadan passes away? How are we going to go back into the world and to deal with those challenges that we faced before? And how are we going to make sure that whatever growth that we were able to accomplish in Ramadan, we're able to continue with that after Ramadan? And specifically, one of the biggest challenges in terms of that is um, having practical advice in terms of how to deal with those challenges, whether it's in the, whether it's in the workforce, in college, with your family and friends, and with our own challenges and struggles that each of us has, habits that we want to change, things that we, we know that are not right, but we want to get better and to improve, or just generally, how do we get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So this is the goal of these candlelight conversations, and inshallah ta'ala, our intention hopefully, is that by spending time with um, our scholars and in the masjid itself, that we will be able to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So alhamdulillah, we're blessed to have uh, Mufti Adim with us uh, to help uh, facilitate these conversations. They're meant to be informal, so just as a note for anyone who's watching the live stream, moving forward, the conversations uh, will not be live streamed. So today is the only day that the candlelight conversations are live streamed. Afterwards, they will not be live streamed just to make sure that the people who are here are comfortable asking questions and that it's a more informal question, um, a more informal conversation. Uh, so, just as a brief introduction to Mufti Adim before we go into tonight's topic. Tonight's topic is on mental health and spirituality. So Mufti Adim, for those who are not aware, was born and raised in the Chicagoland area. At a young age, he memorized the, uh, the Quran, alhamdulillah. Afterwards, he traveled to South Africa following the footsteps of his brother, Mufti Minhajuddin, where he studied both the Alimiya course and the Ifta course in Darul Ulum Zakaria. During his studies, he was blessed to spend time with Mufti Rida al-Haq, one of the leading jurists uh, and Islamic scholars of our time. Allah preserve him. After graduating with top honors from South Africa, then Mufti Adim continued to earn a bachelor's in psychology from Elmhurst College. He served uh, prior to Dar es Salaam as the director of AIA Masjid in Frankfurt, Illinois. And now, alhamdulillah, he's the dean of the Dar es Salaam Seminary and director of the masjid. So, inshallah, today, tonight's conversation will start with um, a, a couple of questions that I had for Mufti Adim, and then we'll open it up for all of you, for anyone who has any questions. You can ask your questions anonymously, so we'll pass out uh, boxes with index cards. You can write down your question. At the end, we'll collect them, and then we'll take those questions um, in the order. Uh, we'll take those questions randomly. Um, Bismillah. So, Mufti Adim, one of the questions that a lot of people have. Uh, people say there's a mental health crisis among non-Muslims, so they point to a lot of statistics about depression, anxiety. In your experience, do you think this mental health is actually a problem for Muslims too? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa alayhi wa sallam. SubhanAllah. Mental health uh, is uh, ajeeb. That we, we, this was something that was not discussed this openly before. You didn't have Jummah khutbahs about it. You didn't have workshops on it. You definitely did not have candlelit discussions about it in before, mental health. So we've, we've dedicated so much time, so many resources to speaking about this, addressing this. We have multiple Muslim uh, organizations dealing with um, you know, these issues as therapists, psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. But it seems the problem is not getting any less. It's just going out of hand. 
So we're, we're you know, juhi dawa badate rehen. What they say, the poet says, I think, you know, the more you increase the medication, the, the, the sickness is increasing even further. So it seems 100% it is a very big problem in our community. However, I, I think we might not understand the actual um, reasons for it. It, it. it just cannot be pure chemical issues. And what, that, the proof of that is there's just this continuous spike exponential spike in cases of this happening within our community. So uh, what is happening? Like what did we do in the past three, four years that has led us to an unprecedented level of people saying that they're depressed, people who are taking antidepressants and then unfortunately it's not working. People are wanting to, uh, what you call, take their lives. So um, just this crowd over here. How many of you know someone who says they're suffering from some sort of mental issue, especially depression, anxiety, um, uh, and, and maybe even suicidal thoughts. Raise your hand if you know someone suffering like this. Hi, hi. All right. So I would say a good, what, 80% of the crowd? Okay, how many of you have actually known someone uh, from your contacts, doesn't have to be a friend or relatives, who's actually taken their life? Raise your hand high. All right. Now, uh, about 20, 10, 15 people probably here. But, okay, let's see, the elders, who a few elders were sitting here. Do you think 20 years ago, anyone who's born, say, in the 80s, do you think if we asked this question in the early 90s, you'd get an answer like this? Absolutely not. You would not find, if I asked the whole masjid, how many of you know someone who took their life, you would not find a single hand raised. We never heard of this. Now you have, some of these guys are seniors in high school, first year college, they're raising their hand. So it's, it's a very serious, definitely big, big issue that we have. Um, so to answer briefly, <laughs> is that is it an issue? 100% it is an issue. Now you might want to move on to the next one. What, what are the causes? So I was saying, I don't think it's just pure chemical imbalance. It's got to be, you know, chemical imbalance doesn't happen suddenly in three years. There's got to be a lot of issues that are happening. So it could be some, something to do with our diet. It could be something to do with uh, exposure to certain chemicals out there. There's so much, ex you know, continuous, you know, exposure to horrible, uh, harmful objects that, are, and chemicals in our food, chemicals in the air, toxic things, waste, etc. Could be. Um, and then look at autism, for example. Just, you know, how many Subhanallah people I know who are asking me for dua, just in this this crowd here of our masjid, whose children are autistic now, huge imtihan from Allah. But again, this wasn't there before. Um, you know, the, the number of autistic autism cases that we're seeing. So I think, I propose, I, I, my idea is that along with whatever toxicity or you know, chemical, uh, chemicals are being exposed to and whatever psychiatrist uh, and uh, the academia may come up with the reasons, there are certain things that we're doing that are causing that. For example, continuous exposure and addiction to social media. Uh, has uh, irreversible effects on person's, you know, uh, psyche. Um, girls especially, uh, constantly watching TikTok and looking at how other people are leading their lives, doesn't allow them to lead a happy life. They're never happy because they're always comparing themselves to others. Um, and then a big chunk of this also is exposure to, uh, you know, pornography. This is making people subhuman. They're not humans anymore. They are not even animals. I've come across people animal, animal, animals don't act like this they're worse than that and Muslims 
What, why did they become like that? Because of the continuous non-stop exposure to pornography over years has destroyed them. So this is when I see de depressed youth, the first thing I think of is pornography. And uh, I'm pretty, usually I'm not wrong. When I ask someone who comes to me with depression, I'm like, wait, do you have an addiction issue? And, and they're like, which one? I'm like this. And like, yeah, how'd you figure out? Well, I said, because that's what the reality is. Uh, it, it will never make you allow you to feel happy about yourself. When a person is involved in that sin, it gnaws you out, it eats you out from inside. And you have no self-respect, no self-esteem for yourself. You, have no, you know deep down you're, you're a horrible person. You feel like that if you have iman. But then you're in crowds and you're outside and you're trying to constantly trying to cover that up. So what happens? There's only so much you can fight back, right? Eventually you just cave in. And you're like, forget this. I'm just a horrible person. Even on a night like this, I'm horrible. And that's not the way we should think, by the way. There's always the doors of Allah is open. But I think, in my opinion, is that social media, uh, on, uh, and especially pornography, is having a huge effect on depression. And second thing is, generally speaking, sins. Allah Azza wa Jal says, Woman, Whoever turns away from my remembrance, Indeed, he will have a very constricted life. Indeed, he'll have a very constricted life. Depressed life. And will raise him on the day of judgment, blind. So I think basically sins, um, social media, and third thing is a lot of shaitani effects are causing depression. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sin. Yes, definitely when a person goes, to like um, uh, you go towards sin, the shayateen of that sin will attack you. And they'll stay like, oh, this guy is, he's trying to come towards us and they'll, they'll grab him. That's there. But sometimes people, they're just normal, healthy Muslims, good Muslims, practicing good men and women. All of a sudden, they're depressed. And so, this is, I think, a big, big, massive attack of shaitan right now on the ummah to create distance between them and Allah. Because when you're in a depressed state, you don't want to get up and pray. You don't want to get fast. You don't want to come to the masjid. And he definitely flows through our veins the way blood flows through. He has an ability to come and whisper things. So he just comes and says, go to sleep. Useless, you know, the, the, the world is falling apart. You know, everything's falling apart. And just says things which we can't do anything about, but make us feel depressed. And so that is, I think, another major issue is just a pure shaitani attack on people. So Mufti, I think there are a lot of different um, causes for depression now. Maybe we can take two of them separately. So the first one, the one you just mentioned, where you said a person... Um, is struggling with depression and it's stopping them from worshipping or from getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For a person in that situation, what would you say? And then the other type of depression that you mentioned where someone's struggling with uh, addiction or sins that they regret and because of that regret, it's creating like a cycle of depression. So how would you, should those be treated differently? Right. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I say this with so much confidence, pure 100% confidence that every single problem out there, the solution is in deen. There's really no doubt about it. I don't have an iota of doubt on what I'm saying. Any solution, as long as you're committed and you want a solution, you come to the masjid, you come to the, you come to the ulama, you come to the Quran and Sunnah, the, 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 the history of the Salaf, inshallah, you will definitely find the solution. So, um, before we run towards taking medication, mind-altering medication, <laughs> right? that's going around and adding more chemicals to our bloodstream. You're playing with your brain, man. It's not a joke, right? So this should never be the first resort. It's not, you know, it shouldn't be just let me pop the pill and everything's fine. That should be a complete last resort. 
A person should try their best first, come to the deen and find solutions. So solution will come towards, it will come when we run towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I would say the solution for depression and anxiety initially when a person is doing it is that you need to reach out to someone. It's not something you can handle yourself. Just at least text someone to say, I'm really down, come over to my home. How many youth today at 1.12.55 a.m.? They're stuck in their bedrooms. They're stuck in their houses. They haven't come for tarawih. Allah knows if they fasted, they're not going to work tomorrow. They're not going to school tomorrow. They're sitting at home, rotting. And no one can help. The dads and moms don't even know where to start from. I don't know how many thousands of youth are like that. And I'm sure you all, we all know people who sometimes, you know how many? Years go by. Years. And they actually need help. But obviously if that guy is depressed, man, he can't ask for help because if he could, he wouldn't be in that state. He needs an outsider to come, figure out what's happening, and to say, you know what, I'm going to come help you. And you don't want to be helped, I don't care. I'm going to force, I'm there, I'm going to force you to get your help. So I guess we all need to be aware of people in our homes, and in our neighbors, and our friend circle, who are going through these bouts of depression. Sometimes it's elders, sometimes it's your grandmother, mother, father, etc. They were completely fine. All of a sudden they go into this dip. So first thing is, if you are, if you know someone, if if you are ourselves going through this, but try to ask for help, but you feel like you can't ask for help because it's too much, then we need someone, our family, to be aware of our situation, and we all should be looking at the mental health of the the ones who surround us in our homes, and and try to get them assistance. The first assistance is connect them to the house of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, connect them to the Deen. For example, simply doing wudu, that's that's a great start. Say, staying in a state of wudu you know that is a very big big breaker of shaitan shaitan's back number two for example the more sunnah like miswak right in your wudu you're doing miswak you are doing istinshak when you put water inside your nose this is where shaitan sits from the many places he sits one of the places is the nose there's a reason why subhanallah there's so much power in that when you do wudu how many of us feel fresh? Right? You're reading Quran, you're falling asleep. How like you just had a cup of chai or coffee? Why are you falling asleep? That's shaitan. You're not sleepy. You're not, I mean, you're not tired. It's just shaitan is putting you asleep. Go do wudu and you'll see, the, you'll see the difference. That's shaitan. So shaitan will make us sleepy, tired, and depressed. So wudu with miswak. That is something I would suggest. Number two, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم. And this is a very powerful vicar. Try to read 500 times. Right, 500 times, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم. With the niyyah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove depression from us. Number three, istighfar. Seeking forgiveness because many of these layers of depression could be because of a sin that we've committed and we're suffering that. So istighfar is inshallah going to remove that. Number four is durush sharif. Salawat upon the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. A few hundred times. Doing zikr. If a person is so depressed that he doesn't feel motivated to even pray, at least in his bistar, in his bed, tell them to do zikr. Right? Start playing some surahs. Listen to the Quran. Play it in the house. Surah Taha is very effective. Surah Taha, right? Surah Al-Baqarah, naturally, right? We do that. But Surah Taha, Surah Al-Baqarah, have that playing in the home, in the house, in the room to, to get us out of that. Once we are able to get that young man or young woman out, bring them into this environment, the, house, the environment of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surrounded by angels. And we need to figure out and sit down and come up with a full analysis. How long have they been depressed? What are the symptoms? What are the things you don't feel like doing? When did this onset happen? Right? What we, let's talk about the circumstances. Did you go to a certain party? Did you go to a certain uh, vacation? Did you go on a certain trip? 
Uh, did you meet someone? Did you, is it after marriage? Is it after a certain divorce? Is it after a you know, certain type of partnership you started? Is it after you met someone? You have to start figuring out where did this all start from? And then once you start going through a scholar who goes through all that, inshallah, you'll start being able to hone in where this issue may have begun with. Because a lot of this, if, if it's coming from a shaitani thing, it's usually two things. Either shaitan himself is just is sca- scanning the crowds. Right? He's scanning every time. Those Iblises open now too, right? Iblis, you can never lock him up. Scanning and he's seeing who can I get my hands on. Especially someone who is ghafla. He turned away, he's not particular about his wudu, not particular about morning and evening duas, not particular about his istinja, uh, not particular about afkar. He said, this guy's easy target. Plus, I have fear that this guy is going to become very pious, righteous, God-fearing, he's going to use his money for, for deen. Let me attack him first. So anyone who sees he's very intelligent, very, or might become very smart, very wealthy, may help the deen, that, that is a target he definitely looks after. He goes after. So that's possible. Second, other times the shaitan comes through a person. Your interaction with someone. That person himself was a vehicle, a cause of the shaitan. For example, that person had jealousy. That person had, gave you another. That person hated you. And he brought this evil, what do you call that? Aura around him. And he just kind of threw it at you. So basically you got to get out of the bed first through these basic afkar that I shared with you. And then you sit down with a scholar and actually have a full analysis of what may be the causes. Um, one thing someone might ask is, my parents tell me I should go to the imam and do this adhkar, and then my school, my friends are telling me that you should go see a therapist and you should do therapy. Um, so which one should I choose? I would say you don't have to choose either or, you could do both. Uh, therapy is always good, as long as, I will, not, I will, I will uh, restrict those, not always good. Therapy, subhanAllah, as long as it's done by... Wait, what does an imam do? An imam does therapy as well. Wait, what does your mom do? Mom does therapy. What, does, what, what do the parents do? You just share your problems. Mom, can you just listen to me? And mom, you know, listens. And then mashas are better. It's everything will be, you know, fine. That's therapy. The problem is that the rise of secular atheistic therapy outside is a very big problem. Because subhanAllah, they have... They're absolutely different moral system, absolutely different value system, absolutely different set of ethics and values. And a guy who's, who's, who's a good Muslim, practicing Muslim, but going through depression, he goes there and they walk away saying, oh, the reason you're depressed is because of the fact that your father used to scold, at you, scold you when you were a young kid. That's the reason. You must hate your dad and hate your religion. So this is what's happening today. People are going to, I know many, many women who, are, who have ruined their lives because they've gone to therapy. So I would suggest that it's better a person does not go to therapy unless he can find a God-fearing, muttaqi, Muslims person who's got some ilm. He should have taqwa and he should have ilm. Ilm of deen. And then on top of that, he's a therapist. Okay. Uh, so, but it doesn't mean that we are against therapy, but we are against the therapy that comes from an atheistic, secular background. So an organization like Khalil Center would be good for that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly every therapist that's there. You know, if there's, again... I mean, the amount of therapists who are God-fearing and, and muttaqi and have a degree in psychotherapy are that, they're not that many. So I don't know which, what are the people over there. I, again, I cannot give a blanket statement. I know the person who started it, Brother Human, mashallah, he was a, one of our, my first students in 2008. Uh, and mashallah, he's, he's gone, grown, alhamdulillah, he's a professor and he's a doctor, and mashallah. So him, he's a, he's a great man to go to. But you know, I, I don't know every single therapist. So we, there's no such thing as um, you know, blindly just go to any therapy. Um, the last question in this area we wanted to ask you was a lot of people have negative experiences with um, Muslim communities or Islamic environments like with a teacher they might have had experiences earlier especially related to trauma um, so those people might be trying to change so in Ramadan they might be trying to go to the house of Allah or maybe just generally they feel uncomfortable in a masjid so what advice would you give to that person? 
SubhanAllah, you touched on a very interesting topic. People who are, who are suffering from trauma and problems due to their own bad experiences at masjids or with individuals who apparently represented Islam in their life. This, is, this, is, uh, this needs to be discussed. Uh, it's a, it is definitely a problem. So um, the, the solution for that also, I guess, you know, you called in a, a bad plumber. He screwed up your you know, uh, plumbing and is now is, things are getting worse. Now you're not going to call a doctor to fix it. You're going to have to call what? Another plumber. You went, you went to a surgeon, he botched the surgery. It's happened. You go to a doctor, he botched the, uh, you know, the treatment. You're not going to go to a plumber because I'm done with doctors. Let me go find a plumber. So you're going to have to go to find another doctor. In every single field, man, whether it's a roofer, whether it's an electrician, whether it's an allergist, whether it's a dentist, you have good and you have bad. You have educated and you have quacks. You have uh, people who genuinely care and people who only care about money. Every field. So scholarship is no difference. Islamic scholarship is no difference. If you had a bad experience at a masjid or at, Islamic, at the hands of an Islamic scholar, my heart goes out to you. Right? It's sad. We should, I wish it had never had to happen. But it happens. Let's just be honest. Things like that do happen, happen in every field. Everyone, no one is free of fault and sin. Shaitan and nafs are working extra hard. But if, you, if that has happened to you, you cannot give up. Well, you don't have another God to go to. You know, you say, that find this door closed, child, let me go somewhere else. No, we have, we, have no, we have no other door besides the doors of the masjid. Right? So we need to give it another try. And maybe this time go with a friend and ask them, you know, what do we do? Ratings, right? Anytime you want to go, you check online ratings. Ask someone, hey, who did you get help from? Were they able to help you? Did you have a good uh, um, experience at that masjid? Did you have a good experience with that imam? And then based on that, Inshallah, you can make a decision. Maybe blindly you don't want to just go to the next masjid or blindly just go to the next person who's got a long beard. Bye, Malana, can you help me? You know, instead find out who did you get help from? Some of your closest friends and whoever they res, uh, refer to you, basically go through referrals. Okay, great. So I think we'll have two more questions about spirituality and then I think we'll open it up for other questions. Um, one question, especially in Ramadan, someone, might, someone says, like, during Ramadan, I'm able to do so much. Like, I'm standing at night in Taraweef. Maybe before it was hard to pray five times a day. Now I'm praying five times a day and I'm spending hours in the masjid. Um, why can't I do that outside of Ramadan? And what should I do to make sure I don't like, lose whatever I was able to accomplish? Okay, the reason we're able to do this in Ramadan is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just, He has chosen certain days of the month, of the year. Laylatul Qadr, mashallah, tonight could be one of those. He has chosen Jum'ah for throughout the week. He's chosen the month of Ramadan for the whole year as one month that is very special. The fact that we feel motivated is, yeah, there is a difference. And that is, this is Ramadan. There's no doubt about it. It's not just, oh, we have 50 people here, that's why. No, there's masjids where there's only one guy alone right now probably. Hundreds of masjids. We're just one person alone doing atikaf. And he's doing it. He would never do it outside of the year. Because it is the blessing of Ramadan that the maradat al-shayateen, the big major shayateen, big ones are tied up. And through fasting non-stop, 20 days, 25 days, and eventually 29, 30 days, your nafs becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. What else are we doing? We're reading, we're, we are reading Qur'an. So the, the, the more Qur'an we recite, the more we fast, the weaker our nafs will become. And so we're able to do what we're doing today through two things. One is the blessing of Ramadan, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has removed certain obstacles. Number two, the blessing of our own Ruhaniyat becoming stronger by our nafs becoming smaller. Now, how did nafs become small? How do we squash the nafs? By fasting and by doing a lot of dhikr. And you can add to that community. That because we are, we are social mammals, we love to do things together, when other people are doing something, it becomes easy. So now after Ramadan, 
we cannot expect ourselves to be at this level. So if you're reading 10 juz a day, one juz a day or more, uh, you're going to go back to 50% of that or 25% or 20% of that outside of Ramadan. That's completely fine. The only thing is, the only main issue is that you cannot fall into haram. The, right? You cannot fall into haram. And number two, you cannot neglect your sunnah mu'akkada and wajib. Farad sunnah mu'akkada and wajib. Can't neglect that. As long as, you, as long as you're not neglecting the sunnah mu'akkada, wajib and fard, and as long as you're not falling into haram, alhamdulillah, you're in good state. So how should we stay? I mean, this is alhamdulillah, last 10 days, but since you asked me, I'm just bringing it up right now. How are we going to make sure we set fast after Ramadan? As you're going through this last 10 days, start making goals a little bit, not, not necessarily right now. Make right now goals for this 10 days. But as we start getting closer to Eid, you want to start coming up with some very strict goals for yourself for after Ramadan. Be uh, realistic. And number two, choose a spiritual buddy or group of friends who are going to help you achieve that. That's very important. Why you have Alcohol Anonymous, why you have Weight Watchers Anonymous or whatever, all this type of stuff. We work together as a group. If you're on your own, it's going to be very hard. Almost, almost, you know, very challenging. So best is you come up with your basic goals before Eid and then figure out who can be your part of your core team. Uh. Muftisaf, could you also elaborate now, for, especially for those people who are staying for itikaf, they have 10 days, is there something that you'd recommend that they do now too? In terms of, um, what should they do if yeah. they have this amount of time that they Yeah, so that's why you've seen this chart over here. The Sunnah brothers, uh, Sunnahful brothers, all of you got it? Yes? Okay, if you didn't get it, okay, you need to get one of these charts. So this is called, I just made them, this, we just made them this today. Ramadan 2023, right? It says, please maximize this valuable time and avoid all... Anyone read it? Idle talk. That's the biggest thing. The biggest thing for us is chit-chat. So, um, and talk means on the phone, talk means to a person. So if you follow these goals, I'm going to just go through it if you have the paper. Takbiratul ula for all five prayers. What's takbiratul ula? The first takbir. That means when, uh, when the imam says Allahu Akbar, you're saying Allahu Akbar with the imam. All five salah, all of us need to make sure, whether you're in the first row, to work for the first row. If you can't make it, second. But fajr to isha, every single day for the next 10 days, we should be saying Allahu Akbar with the Imam. You have to make that your goal. See, that means you do your bathroom, wudu, everything beforehand, and you don't miss it. You're going to be here. When Adhan is called, we should be in the masjid. When Adhan is called, we should not be outside. When adhan, as the Adhan is finishing, we should all be here. Soon Adhan finishes, we pray our, our Sunnah. That's one thing. Then you got morning du'as. We're going to read it together. Salatul Ishraq, after sunrise. Salatul Duha, when you wake up again around 10 o'clock. Manzil is 30 verses of the Quran. Very good for, as antidote for depression and many other things. It's a, ayats of protection. 30 verses called Manzil and Surah Yaseen. Istighfar, you're supposed to fill out how much you're going to do per day. 1,000, 2,000, 5,000. If you're not f- very fluent with reading Quran and you say, brother, I can, in two and a half hours I can read only one juz or half a juz. What I would suggest then is add up on your istighfar. Istaghfirullah, Istaghfirullah is very easy. You could do 5, 10, 15,000. If some of us are reading a lot of Quran, then your istighfar is going to be less. But if you're not going to be reading a lot of Quran, then do a lot. Do more than you've ever done in your life every day. Right? Kalima tayyibah. La ilaha illallah. And salawat. Sallallahu ala Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then evening du'as. Tasbih fatimi means, Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. 33 times. Subhanallah, 33 times. Alhamdulillah, 33 times. Allahu Akbar, 34 times. Salatul awabin. This is six raka'ah after Salatul Maghrib. Okay? Six raka'ah, nafil, extra after Salatul Maghrib. Awab means the one who turns to Allah abundantly. So, uh, you pray that. Then Quran recitation, I put under how many hours per day? Because I know some of us don't, can't read that much. 
So then you read two and a half hours. Even in two and a half hours, you only read one juice. Okay. Those of us who are Hufad sitting here, how many Hufad raise your hand? We're doing Atikaf. Raise your hand. Hufad. Hi. Okay, not that many. All right. So then, you know, the rest of the few Hufad are here or those who are fluent, then you don't have to put poor hours a day. You should make intention of 10 Jews a day, 15 Jews a day, 20, 30, whatever you're doing. Then Surah Al-Sajda and Surah Mulk. These are evening surahs. Rasulullah said, whoever recites these two surahs, Allah will protect them from punishment of the grave. Surah Al-Sajda, Surah Mulk. 12 raka of Sunnah Mu'akkada. Two before Fajr, four before Dhuhr, two after Dhuhr, two after Maghrib, two after Isha. These are rawatib. Surah Mu'akkada, we're supposed to be doing the whole life. 12 every single day. Tahajjud, right? Before Fajr, time starts. And then minimum 20 minutes of personal dua. Where you sit in a corner, you, yourself, and with Allah Azza wa Jal. Pour your heart out. 20 minutes. And then a minimum 10 minutes of muhasaba introspection. What I call it, allow the marination to happen. All these bayans, lectures you're hearing every day, throughout morning to evening. When, you, when is it going to allow it to get marinated? Is when you do introspection. You just sit down, close your eyes, and think. That scholar said this after Fajr. Man, that really hit me. When am I going to change? Like I'm already 22, I'm already 28, I'm already 45, I'm already 55. I've got my kids grown up. How come, you know, this is my second etikaf, my third, fourth, fifth. So you have to start asking yourself, really, ilamata. Till when is this going to carry on, brother? You have to have this talk with your nafs every day. What are the things you want to change? This is powerful. This will be, inshallah, 10 days of introspection. That Eid, when you come out from here, inshallah, you'll be a different person. Because you'll actually figure out what are the major flaws that you have. Sometimes you won't figure out. Then you come ask the scholar to say, I've been doing muraqaba, muhasaba, five, ten days now. I'm, I'm, I understand everything. I'm focusing on becoming improve, improving. But there's just something holding me back and I just can't get it. And that's when you need to sit down and speak to a scholar. I think we have a lot of questions now written down. So if you had a chance to write it down, please hand it to those people carrying the boxes around. Uh, and then if they can bring the boxes up, we'll start taking those questions. If there is anyone who wants to ask a question out loud, you can also raise your hand. We have a mic that we can bring to you. Um, Inshallah. Yeah. Huh? No. Okay, we'll start with the questions that are written down. Right. What should I do when I have a friend that I know does not want to be a Muslim even though he comes from a very religious family? So we need to figure out why. Right? We need to figure out, this is a very common issue. We need to figure out what is leading to him. What are the common reasons why people don't want to be a Muslim anymore? Uh, because they've, they've gotten accustomed to following their nafs. And they know if you have to follow religion, then you can't follow your nafs. That's simple as that. So we have to kind of explain to them, what is the main issue? And he, he, uh, you know, why are you saying this? And then you need to explain to him that, you know, this is, uh, if you follow your nafs, subhanAllah, if everyone followed the nafs, imagine your dad followed his nafs, your mom followed the nafs, you wouldn't be right now sitting here. They're saying, I don't feel like paying for your college. I don't feel like, I don't feel like you should stay in my house, you should just sleep outside. That's what I feel like. Imagine if everyone just followed their nafs, what would have happened? Right? You can't follow your nafs. You have to do what you're supposed to do. So we speak, start speaking about the fact that the nafs has become too big because of us caving into the nafs every day. 
and just giving the nafs whatever it wants. So now we don't even control our body. Have you seen the one who worships his nafs? Unfortunately, hedonism, nihilism, this is one of the biggest reasons of where we are today, where people worship their nafs. So practically, you might not be able to maybe have this conversation, you might not want to listen to you. I would suggest is that type of person somehow, you know, trick him and come into the masjid. You know, right? bring him in for some, something else. Say, hey, you know what, man, just come for 10, 20 minutes. Inshallah, when he comes in an environment of ruhaniyat, spirituality, angels are present, there's pious people, that will have an effect on at least controlling the nafs a little bit. Don't ever judge anyone, don't ever make them feel slighted. Give them, give them full ears. Say, bhai, speak. What's on your mind? Why do you feel like that? Inshallah, let them open up, and hopefully we will get to the bottom of exactly why they're suffering like that. Uh, one question we had is how to deal with doubts. Someone wants to move forward in life, get married, have kids, start a business, but recently they've begun doubting themselves. Uh, how will they be able to provide, take care of family, keep them on the deen, all of these things? But the, they try praying, tahajjud, reading Quran, salat al hajjah but the doubts are still there. How should a person deal with doubts? I'm seeing this a lot. Uh, you know, one is the depression. Other, one big other issue I'm seeing a lot is waswasa. Every other person's got waswasa. Some waswasa, as soon as say Allahu Akbar, he can't concentrate on his salah, his mind goes somewhere else. Okay, that's there. But then some people have say horrible things. As soon as I say, as soon as I say Allahu Akbar, I start seeing image, images of Allah forbid, you know, unclothed women. And he's like, I have no idea. There's nothing to do. I'm in the masjid. I say Allahu Akbar. I've seen, I've heard cases like this. Other people say in the middle of class, they feel they start crying. They have to stand up and leave the class because they're like, oh, this types of you know. Uh, of like where you feel like you know I'm nobody I'm, gonna, I'm a failure I'm a failure if someone is as though someone telling you you're a failure so these are wasawis of shaitan that's what it is al waswas al khannas shaitan has been called in Quran waswas al khannas the one who whispers khannas is the one who instigates you and runs away instigates you and runs away and so you turn around and you say there's no one there right? that's shaitan so the way to do that is a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim right recite that regularly a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim and beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protection from this. There are PDFs available and books available. I know Mulan Salim Dorat's book also is available here. Uh, of Mu'awwidat. Just different types of ta'awwud. Different types of ways of seeking Allah's protection from shaitan. Right? So a person can read through those Mu'awwidat. Where you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protection from shaitan. So there's questions related to marriage, there's questions related to riba. Inshallah, we have different nights dedicated to different things, and we will answer all of them, but we want to make sure that we, we, we cover them at those heads. So today was mental health and spirituality. Tomorrow's going to be social media and addictions. Uh, and so addictions means all sorts, whether it's drugs, whether it's pornography, whether other things. Then on Thursday, we'll have, inshallah, education and career. Friday, we have an amazing program called Futuwa. So uh, actually I'm going to be doing one session And then after that Sheikh Saad Qadri And Brother Shaquille from Jadron Fitness And Brother Hafiz Mushtaba Ashfaq Will be coming here Masculinity right? so This is going to be a, a little bit longer All-nighter program Friday night Besides this session We'll have them coming in around 1.15 Till about 2.45 So it'll be amazing discussions Inshallah I'll be part of that Plus we'll have a great Q&A panel Make sure you don't miss that That's going to be Friday And then Saturday Inshallah we'll have our, our own journey My own journey Some of our alumni will be interviewing me On different things And my spiritual journey, academic journey, and things of that sort, inshallah. And number Sunday will be gender identity and gender roles. A, a Monday will be maintaining a Muslim identity in college and university. Uh, Tuesday will have gender action, relationships, and marriage. And Thursday will, uh, Wednesday is what happening? Khatm al-Quran. Yeah, so we're not going to have that, anything in that. Thursday will be, inshallah, post-Ramadan life. All right? So, 
so and then Mufti Minhaj inshallah will be doing on uh, every morning after Salat al-Fajr similar setup tomorrow is going to be um, inshallah uh, is going to be journey his own journey his life and um, most of you probably don't know much about that so it would be nice inshallah if you sit with him uh, he's going to be interviewed by brother Wasim Kaleem Thursday, uh, Thursday morning will be halal lifestyle but uh, halal lifestyle means zabiha riba everything right different things of that sort uh, brother Rafi Bashir will be interviewing him. Friday will be challenges of the workplace by brother Mujahid Ali. Um, and number, Saturday morning will be gender interaction by brother Suhaib Qadri. Sunday morning will be harmony at home, Hafiz Subhan. Uh, Monday will be contemporary fit questions by Hafiz Mohsen. Tuesday morning will be practical parenting by Dr. Abdul Sami. Uh, Wednesday day 8 will be addictions by brother Wasim Kaleem. And Thursday day 9, di- dissecting various sects by Hafiz Faraz Abdul Moid. So mashallah, the interviews are all older brothers in their 40s, knowledgeable people. It shall be awesome um, Monday morning on, on for post-fajr as well. Okay, so for, with, our, this, with our session today? Okay, lots of my friends tell me that I pray, I read Quran, and I try to be the best Muslim, but I'm still struggling and suffering with XYZ issue. What do you say to a person who's doing this? What can they do? What they, can, what they are doing, but they're still suffering. Okay, so we, don't, we never said that a person is not going to go through difficulty if you read the Quran. Okay, Nabi alayhi salatu salams pick up his book on seerah and read through that. Did Rasulullah has an easy life? Shiraz, he had an easy life? Prophet had an easy life? No, I didn't think so, right? He didn't have an easy life. Most difficult life. Nabi alayhi salatu salam, what he said? Udhitu fillahi ma'lam yu'udha fi ahad. I have been put to test in the path of Allah more than anyone else. I have been put to test, I have been uh, put through difficulty more than anyone else. So first of all, please remove this from the mind. To say, if I pray, if I fast, then I am going to coast through life. This is a wrong expectation. I remember long ago one person came to me, he says, he told me, he says, you know, I said, but you don't come for Jummah, I don't see you. He said, no, cut. He told me like this, cut. I'm no more relationship with Allah. I said, why? I will be like, he said, no, I've been, st- I've been praying all my life uh, and I pray in namaz regularly and I'm still st- failing my, st- my step one, step two. Bahai, if you studied in Caribbean or you studied in Russia and you, didn't, you studied in a different language, you didn't do so well, you're struggling, you gotta study a little bit harder. Why are you blaming Allah for that? Right? But that's what happened. It was his issue. He stopped coming to Salah for months. Alhamdulillah, he's in very good shape now. But my point is, this is the attitude sometimes people have. If I don't get what I want, that's not what we're supposed to be worshipping Allah for. Rather, I'll tell you that the more we worship Allah, and sometimes more we get tested. Some of the people who get tested the most are the prophets and then those who come after them and those who come after them. A person is tested based on his ruhaniyat and spirituality. A man will be tested based on how strong he is in deen. The more you have deen, the more tests you go through. So I know some people, for example, they converted their haram uh, restaurant to halal. They, they, they got all zabiha and everything. And they come and tell me, brother, I'm losing money in business. Man, this is, oh, I did this for Allah. And look what is Allah doing for me. Brother, all the Sahaba who had a nice, easy life, as soon as they became Muslims, they started getting whipped. They started getting beaten up. They started getting tortured. Was Bilal getting tortured like this? Was Umar getting tortured? None of them were. Umar ibn Yasir? What about his mother? All these people had a nice life. As soon as they became Muslim, Difficulty came their way. That's how it is. When you, cha- when you start coming towards the masjid, towards the deen, don't expect it to be an easy path. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to make sure that you are sincere. If you want to go into a difficult field, let's say neurosurgery or whatever the case may be, right? Who said just because you want to go to that, it'll be easy? MashaAllah, there's a lot of nice perks with that. It's great, great profession. But expect to have a very difficult study life. 
and then work life too possibly after that. So let's not think that you know, it's a walk in the park and do not think difficult life means Allah is upset at you. Instead, understand that sometimes, listen to my words, sometimes what you get through difficulty, you would have never gotten that maqam in Jannah had Allah not gotten you, had Allah not put you through that difficulty. Seriously. When you, what you get through difficulty, that maqam in Jannah, that place in Jannah, you would have never gotten that if you had not gone through this pathway of difficulty. And that's what it is. Allah wants you to get to a certain spot. You want to say something? What, what about the test of leaving sin is not, getting is not getting easier? So I spoke about this after Asr today, that sometimes people say, but I repent every year in Ramadan. I go for Umrah and Hajj, but I can give up my addictions. And this is a tomorrow's, a tomorrow's topic, but very quickly, it does not mean if a person cannot give up his sin that he's not sincere. It's actually an addiction. And he needs to go speak to someone. Speak to a therapist, speak to a scholar, come up with dhikr, uh, you'll give, take some special dhikr for that addiction, and take some specific uh, ways and methods to overcome that. That's all I would suggest for that. I want to start concentrating and give my undirected attention in salah because I heard that when we say takbir and start salah, Allah subhanahu wa looks at us, and at the moment we start thinking about something else, Allah looks away. Uh, you, um, okay, how do you about do that? Well, one great way to improve your salah is you do a good wudu. So again, follow, use less water, do miswak, face the qabila, read all your duas. Learn about how to make a proper wudu. And do that according to sunnah. That's where you start from. And then uh, make sure that when we you know, come earlier to salah, don't wait till right before salah time, come pray your sunnah slowly. And every single posture, start folk, try to at least force yourself to remember what, that you're in qiyam, qawma, qa'da, sajda. Like even if your mind drifts away, come back. Learn the meanings of what you're reciting. Learn the meanings of what you're reciting. And if your mind drifts away, don't be so upset about it that you lose the focus of whatever else you could focus on. That, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Because that's also a deception of shaitan. If, he dis if you find yourself in the second rakah and the one whole rakah went away without you realizing what happened, okay, forget that. Now just move on. Focus on the second instead of lamenting over the first. You give remedies for depression which seem tough for a non-practicing Muslim to act upon. What can someone who won't just start doing dhikr? Um, you know, okay, I was hoping that someone who's lying down in his bed could do dhikr. But if that is too hard, then at least listening to Surah Taha, listening to Surah Al-Baqarah would be very beneficial. At least if you can't even do that, somehow just come to the masjid, right? And just sit in the back of the masjid. Well, Quran is being recited, talks are happening. That would be great. Uh, you know, uh, and if uh, if someone else, if he's not in, is, can't even do that, then someone else can recite, say, Surah Al-Baqarah. Someone else can recite the manzil, and blow it on the water and give them to drink. That is at least also a good way to start. Does music have any effects on depression? Is there any way to get out of addiction by your own self? So, music is one of the, uh, the uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the shaitan says, what do you say? Ajlib alayhim bisawtika. Allah tells shaitan, if you want to attack these people, they're open game. Go ahead. Go after them with your voice. And so what's the voice of Satan besides music? What else could it be? Right? So shaitan comes. One is a whispering and one is using music which is one of the most powerful ways shaitan gets to us. So it makes, a, that listening to music definitely creates hollowness, emptiness of iman, emptiness of the nur of iman. When the nur of iman goes away, the filth of sin comes in and that will lead to depression. It leads to depression to those people who have some fitra within them. Those people who have just gone off the path, 
and are just fully fledged in sin, they won't even feel depressed. Shaitan will not allow them to even feel depressed. Because if they feel depressed, they might repent. So he will cover up their censors to them to make them not feel depressed. But yes, dep- music is one of those things that we have to repent from. Additionally, how do you give up for addictions? Uh, we'll talk about this tomorrow. So ask me tomorrow, inshallah. <laughs> Uh, we got a lot of questions that were related to other topics we're going to deal with later, such as addiction, gender norms, career, uh, riba, and interest. So what we'll do is we'll save those questions, and uh, the host for those nights will uh, try to ask those questions during the time that we have with Mufti Adim. And if those questions aren't asked, then you can ask them in the Q&A. For today, we'll wrap up here, inshallah, uh, with dhikr and dua. Uh, inshallah, Mufti Adim will lead the dhikr. Uh, just as a reminder, all of the other... Um, candlelight conversations will continue through the last 10 nights of Ramadan and today was the only night that was live streamed starting tomorrow they will not be live streamed so we encourage you to come in person and to invite your friends all of the questions as you can tell and the topics are meant to be issues that are affecting Muslim youth today and not things that are just uh, theoretical yeah uh, so inshallah we'll yeah alhamdulillah I want to see just before we conclude the dhikr and dua uh, did you guys like the setup today Yes, any, any suggestions to how you like the next days forward? Yes. Yeah, inshallah, I'll try, we'll do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. You will try to have them recorded for people who are... Uh, okay, yes. Okay, visibility on the chair, inshallah. Anything else? Any other suggestions? Yes, ma'am. You want to be able to accommodate somehow some programs for the sisters. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of how to go about doing that somehow. Inshallah, we'll have these recordings available. But uh, inshallah, I'm also interested in trying to figure out a program only for sisters. Inshallah, we'll, we'll hopefully work on that. Come up with a solution. Anything else? And that's fine, inshallah. Okay, so what we'll do is now, we'll do some dhikr a little bit. Dua. 2.30, we'll have the Hezbul Azam. What's Hezbul Azam? Hezbul Azam is a collection of Rasulullah's du'as. A collection of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi about 200 or so. Then one book, every night we're going to go through one section. So if you actually participate every night at 2.30, by the end of the week, inshallah, you've done one whole round of the collection of the Prophet Sallallahu major du'as that have been narrated in the books. So this is amazing. You can make your own personal du'a, but then the Prophet Sallallahu du'a is obviously his du'a. It's, it's inspired by Allah. It's things that you never would have thought of. So the book is available in the bookstall, but we're going to have a PDF here. You can purchase your own book if you like, but we're going to go through a PDF. There's a translation next to the Arabic, so you can read the translations as, we, as I recite in Arabic, inshallah, and you can say, I mean to that. And then 3 o'clock, we'll have suhoor. Um, inshallah, so we'll also put up the Salatul Tasbih method. Salatul Tasbih is, according to some narrations, um, is, a, is a, a, a method of the Prophet ﷺ showing a prayer to his uncle, uh, how to perform a salah in which sins, after which sins are forgiven. And he instructed, he said, if you can, pray this every day. If not every day, pray it once a, uh, once, a, once a year, once a month, once a week, or once in a yani, uh, lifetime. So if we're, we, it takes about 20 minutes. The benefit of salah to tasbih is that it forces you to concentrate. Because it's a long salah. Every posture is long. And the method, inshallah, will be posted up here on the slide in, in a little bit. We can, inshallah, right now, uh, stay a little focused and we'll do some dhikr and a short dua 
Then as I said, I'll let you do your own nawafil ibadah or salat al-tasbih. 2.30, you come back here for Hizbul uh, Azam, 3 o'clock suhoor, and then you can carry on your tahajjud all the way to salat al-fajr. But 4.50 is a jama'at. I request the brothers to please make sure we are off of our phones. If you're doing i'tikaf here, please don't be on your phone. We've been saying this for the sunnah nafil people here. So if, uh, uh, you know, please, please follow this. Right? Don't be on your phones. You, these are masahib. I just ordered these. MashaAllah, we have 80 plus mushafs from Saudi that are here. All right? Beautiful mushafs. Don't need to use your phone to read Quran. Uh, if you're here even just till Fajr, go turn in your phone. That's, that's the biggest problem. Go turn it in into the office and say, I'm here till Fajr. I don't want this, this devil box in my pocket. Right? Just leave it. Go throw it inside the office there. They'll, they'll give you a ticket for it and you can collect it after Fajr if you're only here for one night. If you're here for longer, 100%. We don't want you to be walking around with that. Right? Keep, keep, it, keep it over there, inshallah. And let's try our best to stay as silent as possible, especially in the main hall. Jazakallah khairan. Can someone just shut the lights here front? You can all recite dhikr a little bit audibly, just enough at least to hear yourself. And then after that, what I'll do is we'll do a, a, a dhikr qalbi. Dhikr qalbi is where... Uh, what was that? This way? Dhikr qalbi is where you will just do dhikr in your heart. Quietly, silently, without moving your tongue. Without moving your tongue. And you'll focus on your heart saying, Allah, Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ud'u rabbakum tadarru'an wa khufya. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, softly and with utmost uh, humility. And Allah says in another place, Remember Allah in yourself. So based on that, the scholars also recommend that we do dhikr qalbi where you don't move your tongue or lips and you simply focus in the heart saying Allah, Allah or La ilaha illallah. We'll do that afterwards. First we'll do a little bit one, uh, the one with, with a little uh, audibly inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 
Allah, la ilaha illallah, 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 la ilaha illallah. محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله استغفر الله 
Astaghfirullah Astaghfirullah Now we'll do a hundred times La ilaha illallah. Right, you count on your fingers or tasbih and just focus on your heart saying La ilaha illallah. A hundred times, inshallah. It'll take maybe two, three minutes or more. But focus on it and imagine this is the most powerful way to whip the shaitan out of our hearts. This is the most powerful way to push the shaitan. When the adhan is called, you know shaitan runs away. When there's a shaitan in a house, you give adhan. When there's a shaitan in a person, you give adhan in his ear. So focus as you say, La ilaha illallah in your mind. You say, Ya Allah, you, through the barakah of the dhikr, allow the shaitan to be pushed out. Whatever is focus, forcing me to commit, pushing me, instigating me towards a life of sin. Ya Allah, through this barakah of dhikr, allow it to be weakened or removed from my heart. So doing it in the heart will obviously be at a much faster pace than you were doing it out loud. So in maybe actually in one, two minutes a person can easily do a hundred. Now we'll do is Allah, 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 Allah. The Prophet said, the whole world will never come to will not come to an end until someone's as long as Allah, Allah. Allah, Allah is what keeps the world running. So if we want to also keep the heart, the world of our heart running, we have to do dhikr. So Inshallah, let's do 300 times. Allah, 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 Allah. It won't take that long. Inshallah, 300 times. Focus on the heart and imagine the heart is beating with Allah, Allah. Because you know what? Shaitan focuses on the heart. That's the cockpit. If Shaitan can get into the cockpit, he will, he will take the plane wherever he wants. So Shaitan gets into our heart and misleads our eyes, our ears, hands, feet, mind, body, money. Everything comes through that. So that's what we need to reclaim our heart back and give it back to Allah Azza wa Jalla and push the shaitan out of it. So focus 
and your heart quietly, softly, without moving your lips or tongue, and focus on saying Allah, Allah, Allah 300 times. ظلمنا أنفسنا ظلمنا أنفسنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين رب اغفر ورحم وتجاوز عما تعلم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا لا تزق قلوبنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا المتقين إماما ربنا هب لنا من لدنك ذرية طيبة ربنا هب لنا من لدنك ذرية طيبة ربنا هب لنا من لدنك ذرية طيبة إنك سميع الدعاء رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة لا إله إلا أن سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أن سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أن سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل على الله توكلنا حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل على الله توكلنا وفوض أمري إلى الله إن الله بصير من العباد وفوض أمري إلى الله إن الله بصير من العباد وفوض أمري إلى الله إن الله بصير من العباد لا إله إلا هو الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم إنا نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم وغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدعلنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا مريضا إلا شفيته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا ضالا إلا هديته ولا سائلا إلا أعطيته ولا حاجة من حوائج الدنيا والآخرة هي لك رضا ولنا فيها صلاح إلا عنتنا وسرتها لنا يا رحم الرحيمين اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معادنا واجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنا اللهم أصلحنا وأصلح شبابنا وأصلح نساءنا وردنا الإسلام ردا جميلا والله we ask you to accept our gathering oh Allah accept our ihtikaf accept our dhikr accept our dua accept our fast accept our sadaqah accept all the khair and good we've done oh Allah grant it sincerely grant all of our actions ikhlas and qubuliyah ya Allah oh Allah we ask you to save us from any and all types of insincerities ya Allah oh Allah save us from any type of ulterior motives in, ya Allah oh Allah save us from doing any action that is against the sunnah or in a manner that is not in accordance to the sunnah, ya Allah. Oh Allah, save us from any and all innovations in the deen, ya Allah. Oh Allah, save us from watering down the deen, ya Allah. Allow us, ya Allah, to practice the deen that you want us, in the manner that you want us to practice, in the manner that you want us to see it, ya Allah. Oh Allah, give us the strength and the willpower to be able to lead a life according to the sunnah of the Prophet Oh Allah, allow us to see right as right and inspire us to practice it. Allow us to see wrong as wrong and allow us to be able to stay, abstain from it. Oh Allah, whatever major and minor sins we have committed in the past or committing in the present or had intended to commit in the future, we beg you on this blessed 21st 
first night of Ramadan. Allah through the barakah of all the righteous and pious people sitting here, with all the Quran that is being recited, the dhikr that is being done, the sincerity of the brothers here, Ya Allah. Through the barakah of that, you forgive every one of us, Ya Allah. Through the barakah of that, forgive all of our major and minor sins. Those that were committed by day, those that were committed by night, those that were committed once, those that we committed many times, those that we've repented from in the past, those we've never repented from before, those that we did individually, those that we did collectively, those that we did knowingly, those that we did unknowingly. Oh Allah, whatever type of major or minor sin we may have committed in the past, we beg you, Allah, for forgiveness. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to forgive us. Oh Allah, there's no such thing that cannot be forgiven. Oh Allah, if we come to you repenting, oh Allah, even shirk when a person wants to truly repent, you are willing to accept it, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we beg you, Ya Allah, forgiveness from any and all of our sins, Ya Allah. Great, create within us remorse, create within us hatred for sin, create within us repugnance for sin. Oh Allah, allow us to turn our backs to a life of disobedience. Allow us to run towards you. Oh Allah, we know that if we walk towards you, you'll run towards us. Oh Allah, we are running towards you, Ya Allah, that you come, Ya Allah, you grab us, Ya Allah. Grab us by our hand, Ya Allah. Do not allow us to be misled by shaitan. Do not allow us to be misled by our nafs, Ya Allah. Our nafs and shaitan have been ganged up against us, Ya Allah. They've become very strong, Ya Allah. We've caved into any time and every time they have tempted us. And so now, Ya Allah, it's, they've become very strong, Ya Allah. And they're constantly pushing us in the opposite direction. Oh Allah, none can save us from the shackles of shaitan besides you. None can save us from the, Ya Allah, tentacles of the nafs besides you. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to stomp our nafs out, Ya Allah, to weaken our nafs, Ya Allah, to push the shaitan of our minds and our hearts, Ya Allah, and the rest of our body, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, through the barakah of fasting, the barakah of Ramadan, through the barakah of Quranic recitation, we ask you to grant weakness to our shaitan, to the weakness of shaitan and the nafs, and grant strength through our souls, Ya Allah, grant strength through our souls. Oh Allah, anyone who is suffering from any type of mental illness, emotional illness, Ya Allah, oh Allah, any form of depression, anxiety, stress, Ya Allah, we ask you to grant them all shifa, Ya Allah, all shifa, Ya Allah, grant them shifa, la ba'as tuhur, inshaAllah, la shifa, illa shifa, shifa, na yagadiru saqama. Oh Allah, whose ever parents, grandparents, siblings, spouses are suffering from any form of mental illness, Ya Allah, we ask you to grant them all shifa, Ya Allah, allow them to find the cure in the Quran and Sunnah. Allow them to find the cure in Deen, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to allow us all to become, Ya Allah, emotionally healthy, mentally healthy. Allow our loved ones all to become emotionally and mentally healthy. Oh Allah, please do not test us with depression. Do not test us with madness. Do not test us with insanity. Do not test us with chemical imbalance of any sort. Do not test us with anxiety and depression. Do not test us with waswasa, Ya Allah. Do not test us with any other type of, 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 of illness in which we do not have full control of our mind. Oh Allah, having a sane, emotionally stable mind is one of the greatest blessings that you can give anyone. We beg you all, we beg you Allah to grant us all that emotionally stable mind. Oh Allah, that, that mentally stable mind. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all sukoon and tama'nina and peace of heart, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you allow us to be able to you see, right and, uh, see right and wrong and allow us to differentiate between the two, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, our parents, forgive them. Our teachers, forgive them. Our grandparents and our elders, forgive them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, if they're alive, allow us to serve them. Allow us to enter Jannah by serving them. Allow us to fulfill their rights, Ya Allah. Put muhabba and love between parents and children, between parents themselves. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to put muhabba in every unit of our family, Ya Allah. Allow the shaitan to be pushed out of our homes, Ya Allah. Allow, do not allow shaitan to ravage havoc in our homes, Ya Allah, especially in our relationships with one another, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to keep our tongues moist in remembrance. Keep our hearts beating with your love and doing dhikr. Grant us all the ability to become from amongst the dhakirin, ya Allah. Allow us all to become amongst the dhakirin, ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us, bless us with the ibadah of Laylatul Qadr. Bless us with the ibadah of Laylatul Qadr. Bless us with the ibadah of Laylatul Qadr. Oh Allah, we only have nine nights now, ya Allah. Allow us to make the most of every single night, ya Allah. And Allah, with this conviction that one of these nights definitely is going to be Laylatul Qadr. Allow us all to make abundant ibadah, abundant dua, abundant crying, abundant reflection, abundant dua, and abundant tilaw of the Quran in these blessed nights and days, ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow our life after Ramadan to be for 
changed forever, ya Allah. Allow it to be changed forever. O Allah, all those who are fighting against addictions, those who are fighting their internal demons, O Allah, strengthen them against their demons. O Allah, break, allow them to break through the shackles of addiction. Allow them through to break through the shackles of addiction, ya Allah. O Allah, make these sessions that are happening in i'tikaf, this and all the other sessions, to be immensely beneficial to every attendee. O Allah, and allow it to become extremely beneficial, ya Allah, those who are speaking, those who are sharing, those who are listening. O Allah, allow it all to become a means of strengthening and rejuvenating our faith halves or our requests are coming in. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant them all the very best of both worlds. Grant them all the best of very best of both worlds. Oh Allah, grant us all the very best of both worlds. Allow us to lead a life based on sunnah. Give us a death on sunnah. And raise us with the with Rasulullah under the throne of yours, Ya Allah. Subhana Rabbi Rabbil Izzat Ya Masifun. Wasalamun al Mursaleen. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Brothers can continue making their own individual dua as well for a few minutes.